Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. A warm and friendly hello, welcome to Love you Las Vegas for the Baseball Winning Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, now part of Book It Sports. Book It Sports, doing an absolutely superb job of giving you an app that gives you a little bit of everything. It allows you to be able to track all of your action for the day. It allows you to be able to engage with other bettors in a fun, friendly environment. They do absolutely terrific work when it comes to being able to help out with other podcasts as well. You're going to be finding about that in the final segment. So it is absolutely superb that they are a part of this. And it's great to get Chelsea Messenger on this podcast. She does great work with picks and parlays. She is someone that handicaps a little bit of everything, but baseball is truly her specialty in the second segment. We're going to be talking with her a little bit about Saturday's action. We're also going to be talking with her about what she was looking at coming into the season as well. She did a great job of being able to handicap so many things coming into this, so we're going to get her take. And then in the final segment, I'm going to give you guys a sign total on every game on the MLB betting board for this Saturday as we touch them out for things first. Always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. One of two ways to be able to fire those in. My Twitter timeline at Jerry's 41. Keep in mind, letters ZM to Mimi does I matter. Other way is find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. It helps grow the word about all that I'm doing with this podcast. And then from there, you're able to send in your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. We did get in one today, so let's dive into it. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. I know that a lot of you guys have asked me what is different when it comes to gauging sides and total when it comes to baseball as opposed to college basketball, which is my other specialty as we know the Final Four is going to be going down today. And the biggest thing is, there's more interchangeable parts when it comes to baseball, because as we know, you got a little bit of platoon lineups that are out there. You have to gauge the weather as well, because I mean, while you have to take a look at a little bit of the surroundings when it comes to college basketball, like, are they playing in a little bit more of a cavernous football stadium? Are they playing at a true home location? What have you? You have to take a look at that when it comes to the shooter's eye. I mean, the wind is so impactful. There's a reason why nobody, aside from now Circa, Circa is going to be taking on this challenge, but I mean, when you take a look at the totals in Wrigley Field, they're always really off the board until the morning of because, I mean, the wind impacts them so much. So, I mean, there is that aspect of things. You also have to be taking a look at just the history of some of these teams as well because, I mean, when you've got a pitcher that has been tried and true out there for many years, like a Jacob deGrom, you're able to find some good stats on how he winds up faring against someone like a Bryce Harper. You have to take a look at that a little bit. It's not like I use that overly much. It's because with a lot of these guys, there aren't necessarily too many data points, but I mean, on top of looking at the starting pitcher, you look at the bullpens. How was their use? 
who is all going to be available. That is something that's very big. Pitch inning opportunities as big as well. And then from National League to American League, factoring in the fact that the pitcher is sitting in the National League once again, if the game winds up going to extra innings, a man starting on second base, how is that going to impact things? So having to take a look at baseball, it takes a little bit more time from a game-to-game basis. There are a couple more things that you have to take into account. And those are just some of the things that you do. I mean, whether the platoon lineup, who's all going to be available at the bullpen, those are a lot of the things that does make it a little bit more difficult, and it all goes into account with my handicapping. So hopefully I did a great job of being able to answer that, and we did a great job of being able to have some good action in Major League Baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at some of those games, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. The Baltimore Orioles and the Boston Red Sox wound up getting washed out in game number one on Thursday, but on Friday they were able to get it in, and it was the Baltimore Orioles who got the 3-0 win for the Orioles. How about John Means? One hit given up over the course of seven innings. He was absolutely superb. And then from there, Cesar Valdez was able to get the save. You were able to get Tanner Scott for a hold as well. For the Baltimore Orioles, the offense was a little bit lackadaisical in this spot, but Ryan Mountcastle was able to give you two RBI. And for the Boston Red Sox, just nothing doing for the team. Kike Hernandez and J.D. Martinez were able to give you a hit, but nothing else. And for Nathan Eovaldi, I mean, he gave up one run over the course of five and a third innings, so he was able to do a solid job. You wound up having a error that wound up impacting things as well, so there was an unearned run tags to that Boston Red Sox bullpen, but a good start for the Baltimore Orioles. A good start for the Tampa Bay Rays. Things were a little bit janky for this team as they wind up entering into the ninth inning against Miami Marlins down by a count of 42, but Four runs in the ninth inning, able to get the job done for the race. Six of four, so both the money line and run line cash there for the Tampa Bay race. Coming up in the ninth inning with a big home run, that would be Joey Wendell. That was off of Anthony Bass. Bass wound up getting taken hook, line, and sinker with two outs in the ninth inning. That was his first of the campaign. Austin Meadows already has two home runs this season. He had a home run off of Richard Blyer, and Manuel Margot had a home run off of John Curtis with two S's on Curtis. And then with the Tampa Bay Rays, you were able to get a pretty solid start out of Ryan Yarbrough. Five and two-thirds innings did not give up a single run. Now Chaz Rowe came out of the bullpen. He gave up two runs. And then you wound up having Andrew Kittredge along with Ryan Sheriff both give up a run on the bullpen. But Diego Castillo was able to put out the fire. He was able to get a save in for the Miami Marlins. They were able to get things going through small ball. They wound up going 3 of 11 with runners in scoring position, but Miguel Rojas was able to give you two RBI in this one. You were able to get some very good performance out of the LA Dodgers. I'm doing this as they're in the bottom of the eighth inning, but the Dodgers currently are having 11 runs up there on the board as the Dodgers are doing it all without having any home runs, but 8 of 18 with runners in scoring position. The debut of Trevor Bauer wasn't necessarily terrible. I mean, he did give up four runs over the course of six and a third innings, but he did punch out 10. Keep in mind, this is Coors Field. David Price, by the way, now coming out of the bullpen for the LA Dodgers. That's how stacked they are. So, I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. And for the Colorado Rockies, Antonio Sensatella just completely banged around in this one. Three and a third innings. He gives up seven runs, all of which were earned. Yulis just seen. Yes, he is still in the major leagues. He winds up coming in out of the bullpen. It's going to be interesting to see if he's a starting pitcher or a reliever. And for the Colorado Rockies, they were able to get a couple of home runs in this one. Sam Yelliard was able to give you one. Charlie Blackman was able to go deep. And then you had Dominic, a.k.a. Dom Nunez, the catcher for the Colorado Rockies. He was able to go yard in this one as well as Ryan McMahon was able to go deep as Trevor Bauer wound up giving up two of those home runs. David Price gave up the other two, so a little bit of a horse apiece situation there, but you certainly did have some fireworks in that game to say the least. We saw a bunch of overs out there on the West Coast with the San Francisco Giants being able to take down the Seattle Mariners 6-3 as an underdog. Why they were an underdog to Yusei Kikuchi, we'll never know. He winds up giving up two home runs as Drew Steckenrider also gives up three runs out of the bullpen as well as the Giants did all their damage pretty much in the 6th and 7th inning. Evan Longoria and Buster Posey both collect their second home run in the campaign and for Johnny Cueto not necessarily terrific. He gives up three runs over the course of five and two thirds innings but then from there bullpen of the Giants able to get the job done as you wind up having Jake McGee, Taylor Rogers along with Juan Peralta give the team three and a third innings of scoreless baseball. The over that we saw in the White Sox versus Angels was a no doubter. 12 to 8 the final as the White Sox were able to get Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson to be able to go deep and Rossi Iglesias gave up the home run to Anderson for Andrew Heaney. He gave up that home run to Jose Abreu and he was not long for this game giving up seven runs over the course of three innings and then from there Iglesias gives up two runs out of the bullpen. Steve Ciszek gives up two runs out of the pen along with Andrew Claudio giving up a run as well and for the Angels you were able to get an Albert Pujols home run and a Shohei Otani home run both of their first of the campaign as Liam Hendricks winds up serving up one of those big offseason acquisition for the White Sox who winds up giving up two runs and for 
Dallas Keiko. He does wind up giving up six runs over the course of four innings, but only three of which were earned, but the bullpen looked very solid, including Michael Kopech. Yes, you might remember that name, former starter. He gave two innings of scoreless relief out of the bullpen for the Chicago White Sox, so he's in a little bit of a new role. The Astros are in a role that they're familiar with, winning. 9-5 to five the final. You wind up having Christian Javier not necessarily go too deep in this one. Two runs give it up in three and two-thirds innings, but the rest of the guys from there, five and a third innings, you give up three runs. Nothing great, nothing awful. Brooks Raley did give up two runs, but you take a look at the Astros, you wind up having Alex Pregman go deep for the second straight day, and Yoli Gurriel was able to get a home run. Both of those off of Mr. Asus Lazardo. Lazardo gives up those two home runs, five runs in total over the course of five innings. Then from their bullpen, winds up not necessarily being too terrific. Jake Diekman gives up two runs runs while recording two outs. Birch Smith winds up giving up a run as well, though. They did get a home run off the bat of Chad Pinder. His first of the campaign. This is a rare over out there in a night game in Oakland as typically you've got the Marine layer out that winds up controlling a little bit of the scoring and the scoring was controlled in San Diego as the Padres wind up being able to get a 4-2 win over the years in the Diamondbacks for the sakes. 1-12 of 12 with men in scoring position. They leave 9 on base. That is not necessarily what you were hoping for if you were Merrill Kelly. He winds up giving up 3 runs over the the course of four innings and give the Diamondbacks bullpen some credit. Taylor Clark winds up giving up a run, but you wind up having four innings in total from this bullpen. Kevin Ginko, Juan Lopez, and Stefan Kicktrin all gives a scoreless inning and Clark gives up his run, so they were able to do a good job. And for the Padres, Blake Snell winds up getting pulled before five innings while not giving up a single run. I mean, where does Blake Snell getting pulled sound familiar, but he had a solid start. Greg Stammen winds up giving up two runs over the course of two innings, but then from there, you wind up having Mark Melanson Emilio Pagan along Taylor Williams being able to hold on the four for the team and for the Padres. They themselves go just two of 11 with Ben in scoring position, but Eric Hosmer winds up getting his second home run the campaign and also of note, Fernando Tatis Jr. A little bit of a cold start. He's one of eight. Is that money really worth it? Well, right now, a little bit more worth it than many Machado has zero hits, but obviously it's very early on in the season. That is what we wound up all seeing in Major League Baseball on Friday. Now let's turn the page forward to Saturday. Let's pick the brain of Chelsea Messenger. She does an absolutely terrific job with picks and parlays. She's got a husband that used to wind up playing in the major leagues as well, so she knows the game very well. Coming up next, we're going to be talking with her about some of the teams that she's a little bit more bullish on, bearish on, some good advice for just baseball betting in general and not getting too frustrated if things are going badly for you and not getting too high if things are going tremendously for you as well. That is on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the book of sports. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. We're back here in Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, now part of a book of sports. Book of sports doing an absolutely terrific job giving you everything that you've ever wanted. From an app allows you to track all of your action, but more importantly than that, you're able to engage with others in a fun, friendly environment. And someone that does an absolutely terrific job of doing a little bit of everything when it comes to being able to fire in on baseball is she's married to someone that, well, used to play baseball, so that really helps things out. That'd be Chelsea Messenger. She is out there in the lovely city of Nashville, Tennessee. She does great work with picks and parlays. You can see her sometimes with helping out Sports Grid, the show the morning after as well. We've had Ariel Epstein on this podcast very recently, and Chelsea is someone that you're just seeing all over the place doing terrific work, whether it be handicapping baseball. She's been on my college basketball podcast list goes on and on and you're able to follow her on twitter and her name chelsea messenger and that first name is spelled c-h-e-l-s-a and chelsea great to get you aboard thank you so much for joining me once again best in the business when it comes to intros you love to see it and i'm certainly glad that baseball is back as much fun as we have in college basketball baseball always provides a different element when it comes to betting and sometimes it can be a little frustrating and as we've seen through some of these opening days that baseball is definitely a large sample size sport it's not a small sample size sport you can't base a team or you know your bets based on one day so you got to be a little patient but i know it can be frustrating at times i'm right there with you and I do think that it is so important to just take everything in stride. You want to be doing flat betting and you don't want to be necessarily putting your whole bankroll down on like two or three baseball games because you mentioned it. This is a sport that it really rewards the grinders. We've seen some very interesting things happen just with baseball in general. Like on opening day, my New York Post pick was the Minnesota Twins against the Milwaukee Brewers. I would call it a solid handicap. They were up five to two going into the ninth inning. 
there winds up being a nice Alex Colome air, and there's three unearned runs in the ninth inning. And then from there, the Twins wind up going down the toilet. And you have to account for these sorts of things because they are going to happen in baseball. When you think you've got a surefire winner, sometimes it gets ripped away from you. And that's just part of the sport. And you need to take the good with the bad and not get too high or too low. Yeah, and especially it shows the importance of the bullpen because everybody likes to talk about the starting pitchers, which is very important, but you've got to remember a game is nine innings, so you've got to factor that into your handicap. Uh, How is this bullpen doing? Who's available tonight? Because, you know, opening day, everyone's available, but when we get farther down the season, you're going to see guys that are going to be on their off day. So you need to look at the bullpen guys that are available Are they guys you trust? Is it a bullpen that you're willing to put your money in? Because that is something that has burned some people, I think, uh, when we see these late inning losses. Or you could go first five. That's the thing about baseball. There's so many ways you can bet it that if you get burned one way, maybe be a little creative and look for some other ways to bet on it. I agree with you. Baseball does allow for so much of this. You've obviously got team totals. You've got the first five. You can even bet first inning. That's a little bit more volatile. I've never really got into yes or no run in the first inning personally, but hey, it is a way that you're able to bet it, and we have seen quite a few people be able to do a good job with with it. I know that the Tampa Bay Rays had a good streak of that, as we do have Chelsea Messenger joining me on the podcast. And Chelsea, just coming into the season in general, who were maybe a few teams that you were bullish on slash bearish on? Because I do think that this is going to be a fascinating season. I do think that we need to take a look at this season a little bit differently than the 60 games late that we wound up having last year. I mean, the Miami Marlins were a terrific story last year, but I have a feeling over the course of 162 games, they're going to be unable to maintain. So I'm a little bit more bearish on them. And we are noticing that the media is falling in love with so many of these teams. I do think that it is important to tune out a little bit of that noise because sometimes these teams that they come in with all the hype, they typically don't deliver. I'm looking at you, Cincinnati Reds, who every <laughs> single year Last have hype. Especially. Every year, we talk about the Reds being a terrific team, and every single year, they get off to a slow start. They typically close, they typically close strong, but at the beginning of the year, they always come out flat. Yeah, I think that shows some of the organizational problems, you know, because you need teams that are also good at the top. The teams that are going to make moves, you know, the all-star break to bolster their lineup and kind of hit on some of those free agent signings. So uh, you got to hand uh, you got to handicap that when you're talking futures. You need to look at teams who have a good track record of signing good free agents when it comes to the trade deadline. And it just seems like the Reds have struck out a whole lot when it comes to that regard. Or you know, it's just not enough. We saw them have a really good starting rotation last season, but it just didn't translate. They couldn't hit towards the end of the season. So teams I really like this season, Tampa Bay, I think is undervalued. Their pitching staff's always good. It doesn't matter what the names on the jersey are. The Rays as an organization are really good at finding and developing pitching talent. I've covered them in the minor leagues for several years when I was in TV. It just seems like they find these guys out of nowhere. And if somebody's trading for a player, if the Rays want a player on your team, a pitcher, you know he's good because they've found a lot of good names in the heap, a trash bin, it seems like. So I think, uh, yeah, they lost Blake Snell, Charlie Morton, but I think they do such a good job of developing talent. And when it comes to this season, I think it's a little different because you need pitching depth. You need plenty of arms. It's a long season. There's guys that are going to get hurt. You need starters that can go, you know, more than five innings. And that's kind of the knock I think I have on the Marlins is they had some starters that kind of impressed last season, but they wouldn't go deep in games. Tampa Bay is definitely one of those teams that I think is undervalued. That's the team I really like. Such a good point that you wind up making on needing pitching depth as well, because I take a look at opening day, the first 48 hours of the MLB season, and we've noticed that these starters are not necessarily going so deep. If you had a starter that wound up giving you anything more than, I would say, five and two-thirds innings these first two days, you're doing really well. And I do think that there's going to be some lingering effects of that shortened 2020 season in that I feel like guys are probably going to be breaking down a little bit more towards the end of the year. We're going to see fewer pitchers go 200-plus innings, which we've already been seeing that trend of baseball in general. But I think that what wound up happening with the pandemic is just speeding that up a little bit more. And I do think that there is a lot of value in these teams that they do have a couple interchangeable starters. They do have a couple of relievers that are able to give you multiple innings. Those are things I think are so important to look at to look at for a team, not just for betting in regards to the futures market and some of those derivative markets, but even just a day in and day out basis to be able to preserve that 
bullpen in which maybe has a lot of solid one-inning guys, but you don't need to trot out there. Those solid one-inning guys day in and day out like the Milwaukee Brewers might need to with guys like Josh Hader and Devin Williams. Right. You can look at it two ways. I think some pitchers will definitely like the year off. Like some pitchers didn't really have their arms worn out last season and they're probably feeling fresh because my husband was a pitcher. And some years he'd pitch a ton of innings and it wears and tears on your arm. So when you're looking at these workhorses that normally go a lot of innings, like Garrett Cole, I think it was probably a welcome time off for them. And I think Garrett Cole definitely has the ability to touch on 200 innings this season. I know we haven't seen many innings, you know, in the first few games, but I think these pitchers are getting warmed up. That's usually par for the course. Most pitchers don't come out of the gate throwing 120 pitches, you know. I agree with you there. And especially with spring training as well, we noticed a little bit of a unique spring training this year in which there were so many different roles in which it's like, all right, the game is done after seven innings today and everything like that. So, I mean, it certainly has changed the way that these guys wind up getting set for the season as we do have Chelsea Messenger joining me right here on the podcast. And we're going to be seeing a lot of these pitchers winding up making their first start on Saturday as well. A little bit unfortunate that we're not going to be able to get that nice Mets versus National Series. I was looking forward to seeing Jacob DeGrom versus Max Scherzer. But as of right now, everything else is a little bit of a go. And we do have a couple new faces and we do have a couple same faces in new places as well. And one that I think is absolutely hilarious is Matt Harvey going for the Baltimore Orioles. Right now, as I'm seeing it, the Orioles, who wound up being able to get the win on Friday, right around a plus 165 underdog. And quite frankly, I just don't even think that this is enough. Because with the Baltimore Orioles and Matt Harvey, I mean, the Dark Knight was really, really good a couple years ago. I was watching this guy with Kansas City last year. I've seen him a little bit with regards to how he's trying to retrain himself. I mean, this is a guy that just after thoracic arm surgery or whatever you want to call it, the thoracic outlook, he just has not been the same guy. It's ruined so many careers, and it's so sad to see Matt Harvey where he is right now. Well, I don't understand how he keeps getting chances. Because I think oh, I that a prospect coming up and this guy keeps taking your job. How was he their number two starter? I don't get it. He was not good last year. He wasn't good the year before. So I think it's going to be an interesting matchup there because the problem with the Red Sox, you know, in their first game of the season, what they have two hits. So their bats have to get going. Uh, John Means did a really good job, but this is not a Red Sox lineup that's looked like they've come out swinging. They should be good. They're good on paper. The Red Sox lineup, I think the question for them is they're pitching. So yeah, I think fading Matt Harvey blindly in the first five, you know, might be a solid bet, but you've got to look at the other side. I'm not too too sure who's pitching for the Red Sox. Tanner Hook. Hook. Okay. Always the number seven prospect. So, you know, there could be some upside there. He actually has pretty good numbers coming into this season. 3-0 and with a .53 ERA last season. There could be some upside there. It's the battle of the upside versus, you know, somebody who is, you know, at the tail end of his career and definitely no upside there. I don't think we're ever seeing the Matt Harvey that we once saw there. Some other interesting matchups. You've got Corey Kluber and Ross Stripling going head-to-head. And a head-scratcher because you think you're, you know, watching Indians and Dodgers, but it's actually... <laughs> Actually, Yankees and Blue Jays. I think this Yankees Blue Jays series should be a good one. I think that might smell like a first five under because I think Corey Kluber's been pitching really well in spring training. Another matchup I kind of am eyeing is this Twins and Brewers matchup with Corbin Burns. He's not a big name, but he's definitely a big strikeout pitcher. And I think there's no strikeout props on the board yet, but his K rate is unreal. Last season, 88 strikeouts in 59 innings. 2019, 70 strikeouts in 49 innings. And then in spring training, 26 strikeouts in 16 innings of work. And then you've got the Twins who struck out 17 times in their first game. So I'm sure the number will be high, but that's something that I'm looking at for Saturday's game. And I'm sure that there's going to be many people are like, oh my gosh, the Milwaukee Brewers, as I'm seeing it right now, right around a minus 125 to minus 130-ish favorite. And they're going to think, does Corbin Burns, does Corbin Burns really deserve this being a starter for the Milwaukee Brewers going up against the mighty Minnesota Twins? And the answer is absolutely. I am right there with you. I was impressed by what I wound up seeing out of him last season. And when it comes in general to maybe some players that you think are going to emerge, because I know that out here in Las Vegas, you've got so many options for guys to be able to win like the home run crown, to be able to win the Cy Young. list goes on and on of these awards. Did you wind up firing in on any of these? Because I personally did not, but I thought it was so interesting that so much steam came in on Shoei Otani to be able to win the American League MVP. And I think he's going to have a great year. No offense or buts about it, but 
the way that thing wound up getting seamed down, I just felt like it was a little bit too much. I think that the value really got sucked out of something like that because it felt like everyone and their brother was all aboard Troy Otani to be able to win the MVP. Yeah, I don't really love those type of bets just because it sometimes it feels like you're just throwing darts. A guy can have a great season and not win the award. We saw it with Garrett Cole have unreal numbers. He probably should have won the Cy Young that year that Justin Verlander won it. So I just don't have the stomach to stand to lose things like that. So not a big futures person, but this Angels team, I think, could surprise a lot of people just because on paper, they're really good. Every year on paper, they're really good. They have the names, obviously, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, Otani, Justin Upton, David Fletcher is usually a hit machine. Dexter Fowler in the ninth spot, too. They picked up Rossiola Iglesias, the closer. So if the Angels can get some pitching going, they should be a good squad. I agree with you. And one other team that I know that you're bullish on, and I feel very much the same as well, that'd be the Kansas City Royals. They're going to be going at it against the Texas Rangers after two days ago. These two teams wound up combining for 24 runs and 10 runs in the first inning. So if you wound up taking the under in that game, I wonder what schmuck on this podcast wound up doing that. Well, take a lap. So I wound up putting in a couple myself. But you take a look at this game. It's going to be for the Rangers. Koi Iwahara, who's going to be going for them. He comes over from the MPB he actually had a losing record for the DuPont Ham Fighters last season, and he's going to be going up against Mike Miner. And in general, I think that the Royals are going to be able to make a little bit of money for your bankroll. I like the Royals in this spot. And for the season, I'm a little bit more bullish on the Royals as well, especially if you're able to get a little bit of something out of Answer Alberto, who wound up coming over for the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, I think the Royals, this first opening series is not really the spot I'd like to play them. I'd probably like to play them as an underdog. Last season, they were really good on the run line, getting one and a half runs. I'm not sure if there's a term for that other than just the run line, because usually people play it, you know, with the Dodgers, uh, minus one and a half. But plus one and a half, the Royals lost a lot of close games last season, and their pitching kind of kept a minute. They played some low-scoring games. So if you played them on the run line, they were pretty profitable. But I think I will be waiting to play them until they're playing one of those big price teams because I think the Royals in an underdog spot will probably surprise some people. I do agree with you. I think that there's going to be a lot of money to be made on the Kansas City Royals, and there's a lot of money to be made in general by following all the work that Chelsea Messenger is doing. I know that you did a great job during the college basketball season this year. You found some very good trends when it came to Belmont as a double-digit favorite, which I appreciate. You joined my college basketball a couple times, always brought it on there. I know you joined this baseball podcast a few times last year. You brought it once again today. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just what you're all doing in general because I know you do a wide variety of shows and you do a great job with all of them. Yeah, I'm kind of all over the place these days. You can find me on Picks and Parlays. I do a show there three times a week. Also be on SBR's baseball show once a week. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Messenger. I usually put all of my plays on there, video analysis, all of that good stuff. If you want to chirp me, if you want a discussion, I'm always down to talk about baseball. Yep, and I know that our good buddy Jason Reidowitz of this podcast also does a terrific job with SBR, so they're clearly getting on some great talent. Getting on Chelsea in general means that your show is getting all the better, and she made this podcast all the better today. So big thanks to Chelsea for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. South Power Book Sports are coming up next. It is that time of the podcast to give you a sign total on every game on the Saturday MLB board as we touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, now part of a book of sports. Book of sports doing an absolutely incredible job giving you everything that you've ever needed from an app that allows you to track all of your action. But more importantly than that, you're able to engage with others in a fun, friendly environment. And they've teamed up with so many great podcasts. You've got my basketball podcast called Hooping with Hoops, all college basketball every single day. We're going to keep that going through the offseason. Breaking the high line, Tom Viola is all about soccer betting. You've also got Prop Tales with Olivia Moody. That's where she mixes up alcoholic beverages and talks about player props for the day. And then you've got my man Jeff Parles with the Parlay Cast along passing the spread. Those are more multi-sport podcasts that cover a little bit of everything. And someone that covers a little bit of everything and does so also well, that'd be Chelsea Messenger over there at Picks and Parlay. So, big thanks to her for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you a sign total on every game on the MLB betting board for this Saturday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it. 
said, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenSquarty1. As per usual, we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. What Las Vegas rotation order is, is merely the order in which you've got National League teams and then American League teams that are going at it. And then you've got Interleague, and then if you wind up having any rainouts, like we saw that with the Boston Red Sox and the Baltimore Orioles yesterday, you wind up having those at the absolute bottom. We do not have any washouts, so I will say when we get to Mets and Nationals, that is a game that has been postponed, but that's the way that rotation order works with regards to the MLB, and we're going to be starting with the early game in the National League. 9:51, 9:52 on the betting board. You've got the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they are on the road facing up against the Chicago Cubs. Jake Arrieta is going to be going for the Cubbies. Meanwhile, Tyler Anderson is going to be on the bump for the Buccos. You've got the Buccos finding themselves as right around plus 152 to plus 156 underdogs, seeing a straight 144 out there as well. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Cubs, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 160 and minus 170, seeing a straight minus 162 out there as well. And when you take a look at this Pittsburgh Pirates team, they've really makeshifted this entire pitching staff. They wind up losing Joe Musgrove in the offseason, but I mean, this is a bullpen that's actually relatively okay. Guys like a Sam Howard and company, they are able to hold down the fort. And then when you take a look at what you're able to get out of the Chicago Cubs, this is a bullpen in which it is a little bit lackadaisical. And when you take a look at Jake Arrieta, very much a hit or miss pitcher. He was 4 4 last year, 508 ERA. It felt like every time he went out there, he either gave you something great or he gave you a turd. You really didn't have anything in between, and he's not a strikeout pitcher anymore. 32 punch-outs in 44 and a third innings, but we all know the last time he was with the Cubs, he was doing some pretty spectacular things. And when you take a look at the way that he wound up ending last season, three runs of fear given up in four of the team's last five games, so that is pretty solid. Then you wind up having Mr. Tyler Anderson who actually had a good year last year with the San Francisco Giants. He was able to do a very good job towards the back half of the season, giving up two earned runs or fewer in three of the team's last four games and now he's going to be here with Pittsburgh and I do think that he's going to be able to give you a little bit of something but you always want to be factoring in the weather when it comes to Wrigley Field. We're only seeing one place that is a total up right now that would be 11 at Circa with the over and the under both at minus 110 so that is something that you do want to be taking into account and that does dictate so much of what we're going to see because you do have a solid lineup with the Cubs, but at home last year, they just didn't necessarily have great numbers because they wound up hitting into the wind so much. You've got guys like a Jason Award, who actually was good last year. He had very nearly a 300. He was actually one of the team's best hitters, but I mean, Anthony Rizzo had a slump last season. Ian Happ was able to do some nice things. Chris Bryant, he was just lost all season, and they did pick up Jack Peterson, so that is going to be something solid. And then for the Pittsburgh Pirates, I mean, last year, you really didn't have anyone hit above a 250 last season, but you have to like what you're seeing out of Cabrian Hayes. He was able to hit a home run in the team season opener, so I do like what he's doing. You've got to figure that Mr. Good good but Lunko is going to be able to do a little bit better than last season. I mean, last season, he was hitting a 153. That is just absolutely horrible. And then you had Jacob Sellings. He was able to give you a little bit of something. But, I mean, this is a team that with Colin Moran and guys, it's just a little bit of a tough situation. Now, the wind is really, really going to be blowing, which is why I wound up setting the total at 11.3. So, here at a straight 11, I would be taking a look at the over. So, we would need 11.5 or higher to be looking at this total under, but I mean, with the Cubs, I do think that there is some value here with the money line. I put them more around a minus two away favorite. I think that Mr. Anderson is just not going to be able to duplicate what he wound up doing when he was with San Francisco. It was a little bit more pitcher-friendly over there, and I do think that Jake Arrieta is going to be able to find something with the Cubs. But keep in mind, Cubs, very good at being able to win one-run games. They just played a bunch of them the last two years, and I think that there might be some value here with the money line, even though it is a little bit more chalky, just because they do find themselves winning a lot by one run. So we're going to be taking the money line here with the Cubs and we are going to be taking this total most likely over if we wind up getting 11s much like we're seeing currently at Circo. Alright, and we move on to 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. You've got the Philadelphia Phillies and they're going to be playing against the Atlanta Braves. Charlie Morton is going to be going for the Atlanta Braves. He comes over from the Tampa Bay Rays. Meanwhile, Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler. It's on the bump for the Philadelphia Phillies with the total on this game. At 8, you're finding the over at minus 115 to minus 125. Meanwhile, under is anywhere between plus 105 and minus 105. And relatively a pick game here. You're finding this anywhere between minus 105 and 
and even money when you get to the Atlanta Braves. Meanwhile, for the Phillies, you're going to be finding them as high as a minus 115. You're also finding them at minus 105, so got a little bit of a mixed bag there, and when you take a look at this Atlanta Braves team, you certainly do have quite a few guys that are doing an absolutely terrific job for this bunch, and you've got Ronald Lacuna Jr. He's one of the most star-studded players that you're going to find out there in baseball. You've got Marcelo Zuna, along with Freddie Freeman, who were both top five NL MVP candidates. Obviously, Freeman was able to get the job done, but then when you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, well, they finally wound up revamping this bullpen because it was absolutely terrible last year. I mean, these guys just could not hold a lead to save their lives. Now they wind up bringing in a couple pieces, so that's going to be solved for a guy in Zach Wheeler that... Well, let's face it, he didn't get any strikeouts whatsoever. I think that he had 53 punch-outs in 71 innings. That was one of the lowest with regards to Ks per nine that you're going to find out there in baseball, but did a great job of keeping the ball in the yard. Three home runs over the course of 71 innings, so got a couple redeeming qualities there, but then when you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, you've got to be expecting D.D. Gregorius to be able to give you a little bit of something along with Reese Hoskins. These guys were a little bit up and down last season, but I like their overall game. you got to like what you were able to get out of Bryce Harper as well. Andrew McCutcheon is back in the fold at JT Riumito wind up getting re-signed. So you've got a pair of good offenses in this one, which makes it a very interesting handicap because you do have a good bullpen for the Atlanta Braves. They rank in the top five last season. When it comes to ERA, you've got guys like even a Grant Dayton and company that are able to give you some solid innings. You've got a lot of guys that are able to give you at least one inning as well. So in this one, I did wind up making the Atlanta Braves a little bit of a favorite in this spot. I'm willing to go up to minus 117. So I see a little bit of value there. And then when you take a look at this total, I wound up setting it at 7.8. Here that we've got the eight. I'm going to be taking a look at this total under at seven and a half. I'd be much more willing to entertain and over. But with that said, I do think that both of these pitchers are going to do a really solid job despite the fact that you've got a pair of good offenses in this one. So we're going to be taking the Atlanta Braves and we're going to be taking this total under. 955-956 is unfortunate. We were supposed to get the New York Mets and the Washington Nationals COVID protocol. This game has been postponed. So we move on to my New York Post play of the day. 957-958. You've got the Cincinnati Reds and we are on to Cincinnati as they take on this St. Louis Cardinals. Adam Wainwright going to be going for the cards. Meanwhile, Tyler Molly on the bump for the Reds. The New York Post play of the day is going to be the spread as the St. Louis Cardinals find themselves pretty much even money across the board. You're finding them as size minus 104. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Reds, they are now as high as plus 102 as they do this podcast, as low as minus 110. So you're seeing a little bit of everything here. And when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals, I do think that you're going to get a very good performance in this one because you do have a guy in Adam Wainwright that has given up 1.2 home runs per nine innings or fewer in pretty much every one of his major league seasons. Meanwhile, you take a look at what you're able to get out of Tyler Molly. He does a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. He gives up on a hits per nine innings right around six and a half-ish, but he didn't give up four walks per nine innings, so that no question is a little bit of an issue for this team. And then when you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals, this is a bunch that they do have quite a few guys that I really like. Dylan Carlson wound up having an opening day home run. Paul DeYoung is someone that gave you 30 home runs a few seasons ago. You do have to like the fact that Paul Goldschmidt is a professional hitter. He's underachieved a little bit in his career with the St. Louis Cardinals, but with that said, I think that he's going to be able to good, have a good year this year. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Cincinnati Reds, and you've got a bunch of guys that they just wound up underachieving last season, but I mean, two years ago, Adi Cide Sakino wound up having one of the best months for a rookie player in all of baseball history, and then you take a look at what else you're able to get out of this team. you got to feel like Joey Votto is going to be able to give you some professional at-bats. Now, when you take a look at this Cincinnati Reds team in general, they do play out there at Great American Ballpark. That is very much hitter-friendly, but I do think that the bullpens are going to be able to hold up at the point of attack with the St. Louis Cardinals. They were 10th last season in bullpen ERA, despite everything that they wound up going through. They were able to find quite a few guys that they're able to look to for the future, and you do end up bringing back Jordan Hicks, who's going to be able to close out games for this team, so I do think that that's going to be very superb for them. Meanwhile, for the Cincinnati Reds, they are a team that they wind up losing Raciel Iglesias, but you do bring back Amir Garrett. I think that that's going to be big. You've got Cam Bedrosian as well, so that's going to be pretty rock solid, but then when you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals in general, even though Matt Carpenter just has not been able to give you a lot. I do think that the offense is going to be a little bit better than that of the Reds, which, I mean, we were talking about with Chelsea. I mean, you're in and you're out. You just don't know what you're going to get there with the Cardinals. I want to say them as a minus 138 favorite. And with this total, I set it at 9.1. So, we're going to be looking for the juice to get reduced a little bit more here. If this winds up continuing to tick up, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. So, it's a little bit more of wait and see mode. Right now, what I'd be targeting is an unjuiced 9 with regards to the under 
under, so at minus 120, I'd be taking it under. So I do want to take a look at that a little bit more, but a little bit more of a wait and see, but certainly going to be all aboard the Cardinals. That is my New York Post play of the day on the money line. 959, 960 on the betting board. John, 52 shades of gray is going to be going for the Rockies. Meanwhile, Walker Bueller is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers find themselves a hefty favorite in this spot. Anywhere between minus 220 and minus 230. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rockies, that's anywhere between plus 190 and plus 205. When you're taking a look at the Dodgers, this is a bunch that they were really able to find it yesterday. I mean, they wind up losing on opening day. And then from there, they were able to just completely dismount on the Rockies as I'm doing this podcast game. is still going on. They're up 8 to nothing with men on base. So, I mean, very safe to say that. You've got, I mean, just everyone. Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, who should have had a home run opening day, but I mean, Justin Turner down for what robbed him of that. So, Instead, Justin Turner down for what wound up having a big day yesterday to be able to make do for that. Will Smith is able to get jiggy with it. I mean, with the Dodgers, you know that they're going to be able to hit. Meanwhile, with the Colorado Rockies, this is a team that they've got quite a few guys that at home have always been very solid at being able to get on base, being able to drive in runs. Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story, list goes on and on. They bring in CJ Crone, so you do like what they're able to bring to the table. But with the Rockies, you got to be questioning the bullpen a little bit. I mean, they wound up getting just completely smacked around yesterday. You do have a guy, Nancy Almonte, who was able to give you some solid innings. Daniel Bard is going to be solid, but I mean, this is a team that right now their pitching staff is so bad that you least just seen it looks like is going to be getting stars. Austin Gomer and Michael Gibbons are actually halfway decent out there in the bullpen, but when you take a look at the Dodgers, they've got a little bit of everything. Bullpen depth can be a little bit of a concern, but I mean, you've got so many guys that are able to both start and give you innings out of the bullpen that it really helps out with that regard. Corey Knable is someone that is able to give you some solid innings. They picked him up in the offseason. Blake Tryon is very solid. I mean, you just wind up plugging in one of those starters. You put them in a relief role, and you're going to be fine there. And for Walker Buehler, you're probably not going to need a like a lot of relief for this guy. He is someone that he is a little bit more inconsistent home to road. That does need to be pointed out. You take a look at his splits last season on the road. It was a little bit more suspect right around his 619 ERA. So he is a little bit prone to that. And we do know that things can get a little bit airbrain out there at Coors Field. But I want to saying this total more around 10.7. I do think that this is up there a little bit too lofty with John Gray. He actually does a halfway decent job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. He can be sometimes a little bit suspect. But I mean, this is a guy that last year, 669 ERA was far from terrific, but two years ago he wound up posting up an ERA that was more in the neighborhood of right around 3.8. I think that you're going to get something right in the middle of those two. I think that he's going to be able to do a good job as his K-to-walk rate last season was just a 2. I think that he's going to be able to improve upon that a little bit more, but with that said, I do think the Dodgers are the rightful favorite here. When it comes to the run line of the Dodgers and what we're finding it out right now, it is right in the neighborhood of minus 155, so you're not necessarily getting a lot of his savings there. I am actually going to be taking a little bit more of a chalky minus 220-ish money line with the Dodgers. I wound up setting them on my line more in the neighborhood of about a minus 233. So I do think that there's some value there. I would need to get more like a minus 140 to be taking a look at the run line. So we're going to be taking the money line of the Dodgers and we're going to be taking this total under as well. 961, 962 on the betting board. You've got the Arizona Diamondbacks and they're going to be taking on the San Diego Padres. With the Padres, they trot out there Joe Musgrove and for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Caleb Smith is going to be taking the bump. For the Diamondbacks, you're going to be finding them as a quite sizable underdog in this spot, you're going to be finding them anywhere in the neighborhood of, I would say, about a plus 175 and a plus 185. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Padres, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 195 and minus 205. And your total on this game is 8.5. With the 8.5, your over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Meanwhile, the under is anywhere between even a minus 105. And when it comes to the Arizona Diamondbacks, this is a team that they actually do have some redeeming qualities. Cattell Marte, the Marte Parte, was able to emerge for a home run on opening day. And they actually wound up having, in an inning, I believe, four home runs. So that is something that you're able to look to. It is a little bit promising with this team. And then with the Arizona Diamondbacks in general, this is a team that the bullpen is not necessarily too terrific. I mean, you've got a guy in Kevin Ginkle who's able to give you a couple innings. That's not necessarily what you want. But Yohan Lopez, I think that he's going to be able to give the team a couple innings. Joaquin Soria, a little bit over the hill. But I think that he's going to be able to give you a tad bit of something as well. And what I think is going to be key for the Arizona Diamondbacks is just being able to get a little bit of something out of guys like Christian Walker, Eduardo Escobar. And they bring in Ezreal Cabrera. And I do like what they're able to get out of 26-year-old Josh Rojas. Does a good job of being able to reach base. Meanwhile, the Padres, we all know about this lineup. You've got Jake Cronenworth, Will Myers, Tommy Pham, all in support of your big three, Eric Cosmer, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr. Tatis Jr., though, he is a little bit banged up. You do want to know if that wouldn't be surprised if he gets off to a little bit of a rough ride to begin the season. And for the Padres, this is a team that their bullpen at the beginning of the year last year was not necessarily too terrific. They moved on from Kirby Yates, but you still have quite a few guys that you're able to take a look at. 
Kike, Keon Kalea, who's a very solid reliever, Mark Melanson, Tim Hill, I mean, even a guy like Emilio Pagan is able to give you some solid innings, so I do think that the Padres are going to be able to hold up there, and when you take a look at Caleb Smith, this is someone that he just walks a parade of guys, but I mean, two years ago with the Miami Marlins, he was one of the better strikeout pitchers out there in baseball, didn't necessarily give you a lot of length last season, but I do think that he's going to be able to find a little bit of something here, I think that now he's fully acclimated with the Arizona Diamondbacks or for Musgrove, he's a guy that wound up having one win last season, I believe he went one and five, ERA wasn't necessarily too bad, but he's always been prone to giving up the long ball, that is a little bit of an issue with him, and I do think that because you do wind up having an Arizona Diamondbacks lineup that is a little bit revamped, that you do have a little bit of value here. I wound up setting the Padres more around a minus 143, minus 145-ish favorite, so I see some good value here on the Diamondbacks. I'm going to be taking them with the plus price, and with this total, I set it more around the neighbor of 9.2. I'm going to be taking a look at the minus 115 juice on the 8.5 over. I'm going to hope that it gets down a little bit more, but I'd be very willing to take that as well. 963, 964 on the betting board. The New York Yankees are going to be playing against the Toronto Blue Jays. Roster playing is going to be going for the Jays. Meanwhile, Corey Kluber is going to be going for the Yankees. Yankees are finding themselves as anywhere between a minus 156 and a minus 170 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Toronto Blue Jays, that is anywhere between 145 plus 145 and plus 155, and your total on this game is 9. With the 9, overs are anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The unders are anywhere between even a minus 110, and when you take a look at what you're going to be able to get out of the Yankees, it's a little bit of a question mark with Corey Kluber because he pitched one more inning than myself last season, so that's a little bit of an issue. And then when you take a look at what you're able to get out of Ross Tripling, he wound up having a rough year last year, giving up nearly three home runs for nine innings, so he was absolutely terrible with that regard, but for the Blue Jays, you do have a pretty solid bullpen. Guys like Rafael Dolis is able to do a very solid job for the team. When it comes to the Blue Jays as well, I do think that Julian Merriweather is going to be able to do a solid job of being able to come out of the bullpen. We saw him on display on opening day. You've even got a guy like a Tim Meza who's able to give you some solid innings. And then we take a look at this Blue Jays lineup in general. You do have power up and down it. I mean, someone like a Boba Shett is able to give you something very, very solid. Rowdy Telez is able to go deep. Teoscar Hernandez, Kavon Biggio. They bring in Marcus Simeon. So you've got a lot of good guys there. Vlager or Junior, I still believe is a little bit overrated, but it's still a solid bad. And for the Yankees, Gary Sanchez was finally able to get a home run on opening day. It looks like he is putting to bed the recent struggles that he was able to have, and then you got everyone healthy. John Carlos, Stanton, Aaron Judge, I and mean, this is really going to be able to help out this team. You still have the trustworthy guys like Gio Urshela, and to my surprise, Yankee Stadium is actually a little bit more pitcher-friendly when you take a look at all the metrics, but we all know about that short porch as well, so, I mean, it's just all about being able to finagle things the way that you want with that ballpark. I wound up setting this total at 10.3 just because I think that Stripling and Kluber are not going to be long for this game. I felt like anything above plus 135 was good value here with the Blue Jays. I'm seeing them as high as north of plus 150, so I'm going to be taking that plus price here with the Blue Jays. I was setting this total north of 10. I'm going to be taking this total over as well. 965, 966 on the bang board. Cleveland Indians are going to be taking on the Detroit Tigers. For the home Tigers, you've got Julio Taran, who's going to be going for them. Meanwhile, Zach Plesak goes for the Cleveland Indians. Indians are finding themselves as a favorite of any world team, minus 160 and minus 175. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Detroit Tigers, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 145, and I'm seeing them as high as a plus 157 with Mr. Taran. I mean, it has not necessarily been a great ride for him. Meanwhile, for Zach Plesak, this is a guy that was giving out right around one walk per nine innings. Now, off-the-field situations were not necessarily too terrific, but hopefully we're in a little bit of a better state with COVID protocols than we were last year, so there is that aspect of it. But then when you take a look at Plesak, this is a guy that he would give up a little bit of a long ball, but I mean, he still is a guy that gives you a little bit over nine punch outs per nine innings. Meanwhile, with Mr. Daran, 10.05 ERA. Now, I do realize that guys like Buck Farmer, Gregory Soto and company, not necessarily too terrible out there in the Tigers' bullpen, though there is some suspectness, especially with a guy like a Daniel Norris and company, but I mean, when you take a look at Mr. Daran, I think that he went five innings or more just once last season. He was absolutely terrible. I mean, he had 16 walks and 20 strikeouts and 31 and a third innings. That's all that needs to be said right there. For the Cleveland Indians, well, the bats aren't necessarily too terrific, but I mean, if they can't get going against Julio Daran, I think that they should probably be sent down to wherever minor leagues are this year. Eddie Rosario and Andres Jimenez come in to be able to fortify this lineup along with Jose Ramirez, who was able to give you 15 plus home runs. He was able to do a great job towards the back half of last season. Roberto Perez was able to have a nice home run in the game a couple days ago. I think that Fabio Reyes is going to be able to pick it up now. Guys like Jake Bowers, Ben Gamble and company, you don't have necessarily high expectations for them, but I think that they should be able to hit against this 
Tigers team that, let's face it, it's not necessarily too terrific. And for the Tigers, I mean, guys like Willie Castro are able to get on base. Miguel Cabrera was able to get a nice home run on opening day. He seems to be finding himself a little bit more as well. So that is something that is very good for the team. But, I mean, I take a look at guys like Noah Mazzara, Jamir Candelario. You have some suspectness there. And I do think that this is a spot in which you are going to be able to get the Cleveland Indians to be able to win this game and win this game convincingly. I feel like you should have north of a $2 favorite line in this spot with the Cleveland Indians. I think that it's that much of a mismatch. I have no idea why Julio Doran is getting any sort of respect whatsoever. And if you're taking a look at the run line right now, that is anywhere between even money and minus 110 on the Cleveland Indians. I think that that's a tremendous value. I set it more around minus 135 myself, so I'm going to be taking that. And with this total, I set it a little bit north of 9, 9.3 personally, so I'm going to be taking a look at this total over in some form or capacity, and I am going to be taking the Cleveland Indians on the run line. 967, 968 on the betting board. You have the Boston Red Sox, and they're going to be playing against the Baltimore Orioles, a game that myself and Chelsea wound up talking about with Matt Harvey going for the Baltimore Orioles. Meanwhile, Dana Rook is going to be on the bump for the Red Sox. Red Sox are finding themselves anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Orioles, anywhere between plus 155 and plus 165. And if you want to take a shot on the Baltimore Orioles, you be my guest because Matt Harvey, he is absolutely terrible. Had north of an 11 ERA last season. He did not make it a full four innings in any of his starts last season. I mean, myself and Chelsea wound up talking about it. Why this guy is getting starts, I have absolutely no idea. I also have absolutely no idea how the Red Sox didn't score any runs yesterday, but I do think that they're going to be a little bit better in this spot. J.D. Martinez had a bad year last year. I think that he's going to pick things up a little bit more. You bring in Kike Hernandez. Hunter Renfro is just a useless baseball player, in my opinion. He has a couple home runs, but I mean, this guy is going to hit 200 for pretty much the rest of his career. Marwin Gonzalez, so he's able to get on base along with Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. This is a team with guys like Anthony Santander and company that are able to do a solid job. Austin, the Sayes kid, is someone that I really like for the team. They bring in Mikel Franco from the Kansas City Royals. And with this Baltimore Orioles team, the bullpen is not te- terrible. You've got guys like Cole Solzer, who's able to do a little bit of something. Tanner Scott, when you're able to get down to it late, he's able to give you some nice innings along with Dylan Tate. So, I mean, you do have some guys that are able to give you some nice relief, but I mean, you're probably going to need to be looking at a very long reliever like a Ore Lopez in this spot as well. That's not necessarily where you want to be. And for the Boston Red Sox, we know this. Relief pitching, not their forte. That's putting it very politely. I mean, you've got guys like Austin Bryce that are coming out of the bullpen. You've also got someone like a Nick Pavetta that they're hoping to be able to spin the tires on. Phil Zeldes is pretty solid, but I mean, by and large, you've got a poopy Red Sox bullpen, but you've got a very, very poopy starter on the other end for the Baltimore Orioles as well. This is a spot in which I do feel like you're able to get some good value here on the run line as well. Taking a look at the run line right now, you're finding the Boston Red Sox right around even money for the most part. I would be willing to bet that you're going to be laying a price by the morning, but I mean, I want to say this run line more around minus 115-ish, so I'm going to be taking that with the Red Sox and with the total. I said it more around 12-ish, but seeing it at 10, very appealing. So we're going to be taking the over and the Red Sox run line. 969, 970 on the betting board is up next. You've got yourself the Kansas City Royals, and they're going to be taking on the Texas Rangers. You've got Koi Iahara, who is going to be going for the Rangers. Meanwhile, Mike Miner is on the bump for the Royals. The Royals are finding themselves anywhere between minus 155 and minus 165 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Texas Rangers. That's anywhere between plus 143, seeing as high as plus 155. And when you take a look at Mike Miner, he wound up having a major disappointment last season. I mean, he was a guy that was giving up a bunch of home runs. He figured regression was going to be coming in after they had that 2019 season in which he got very, very lucky. I think that things are going to even up now. And now when you take a look at Mr. Iohara, who's going to be making his first start at the MLB level, he winds up coming over from Japan. He was actually playing for the Nippon Hand Fighters, and he was solid for the most part throughout his career in Japan, but last season was actually his worst year. Wound up having a losing record. His ERA wound up ballooning a little bit as well. Does a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard, but, I mean, keep in mind that you're doing that against Japanese competition, and I mean, the NPB, which is out there in Japan, I mean, that's actually probably the second highest form of baseball ever. It goes the MLB, it goes then the NPP, the Nippon Baseball League, and then from there, you probably have AAA baseball, so I mean, it's not like he's going up against complete scrubs or anything like that, but I mean, this is just a complete and utter different animal with the Texas Rangers. You do have some guys that are able to hit. Nick Solak is someone that I do like. His upside, Joey Gallo, he can sometimes be a little bit suspect with his batting average, but he's a guy that he's able to match as well. 
Rude Dad Odari is absolutely terrible, so there's that. But, but then when you take a look at the Kansas City Royals, a guy like a Whit Merrifield, I like Ode Soler, wound up having nearly 50 home runs two seasons ago. You've got Andrew Benatendi in the lineup for the team. Enter Alberto winds up coming over from the Baltimore Orioles. Salvador Perez is finally healthy for the team. Nicky Lopez has been able to ascend as well, so I like what you're able to get there. And for the Texas Rangers, this bullpen is absolutely terrible. Meanwhile, you've got guys like Greg Holland, Scott Barlow and company that do a very good job with the Kansas City Royals. I mean, you're going to be looking to guys in the bullpen like a Kobe Aller, who I don't necessarily trust. You've also got a guy in Ian Kennedy who actually comes over from the Kansas City Royals. He's hit or miss. Josh Shorbis, not necessarily a guy that I'm looking to as well. I do feel like the Kansas City Royals should be more like a $2 favorite in this spot. So, I do think that you're, once again, getting good value here with the favorite. When it comes to the run line in this game, I felt like you should be getting right around a little bit north of minus 130-ish. So, I do think that being able get a plus price here that is tremendous. I was willing to lay it here, so getting plus 110 to plus 115, I am going to be taking a look at the run line here of the Kansas City Royals. And when it comes to the total, I mean, we saw it on opening day. Both of these offenses exploded. I wound up setting the total at 9, so I'm going to be taking it over, and I'm going to be taking the run line here of the Royals. 971, 972 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Oakland A's, and they're going to be taking on the Houston Astros. Lance McCullers Jr. is going to be going for the Astros. Meanwhile, Cole Irvin on the bump for the Oakland A's. Your total on this game is anywhere between 9 and 8 with the 8.5, the over is juice of minus 120, the under is even, and on the 9.5, our under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Meanwhile, the over is anywhere between even and minus 105. With the Houston Astros, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 119 and minus 130. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Oakland A's, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 106 and plus 115. When you take a look at the Houston Astros, Lance McCullers Jr. did a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard last season, less than a home run, giving up for nine innings. He was a little bit intermessy, had a couple blow-ups there, including one against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but by and large, he was able to do a solid job. Meanwhile, Cole Irvin, he had an ERA north of 10 last season. Very, very small sample size, but even when he was a little bit more of a reliever with the Philadelphia Phillies, was never really able to put it together. Not like he's got necessarily too electrifying and stuff. And keep in mind that the ballpark out there at Oakland, it plays a little bit differently day to night. This is a 107 p.m. Pacific first pitch, so I do think that the ball is going to be flying a little bit more. And for the Houston Astros, this is a lineup that is really getting online. They did a very solid job yesterday, as you've got quite a few guys that all of a sudden have been able to find it after they were able to make that nice postseason run. Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman at the top are looking like their normal selves. You've got Jordan Alvarez back. Yuli Gurriel is someone that's able to give you some great at-bats. You no longer have George Springer, but still a lot of depth, including Miles Straw, who does a great job of being able to steal bags. Meanwhile, for the Oakland A's, and this is a team that they're a little bit too much of an all-or-nothing bunch. You've got the Mats, Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. Both of these guys are able to do a solid job of being able to go yard, but I mean, they aren't able to do much else if they're not going yard. Marcana is a little bit intermiss. Ramon Laureano, whenever he's been out there healthy, he's been solid. And they bring in Elvis Andrews, a little bit more of a consistent guy. And for the Oakland A's, you do have a solid bullpen with this team. Guys like J.B. Wendelkin are able to give you some very solid innings. They did wind up getting taxed a little bit because Asus Lozardo did not wind up having his best performance yesterday. So you've got to be relying upon guys to be able to give you some innings. I mean, you got Sergio Romo out there, Lou Trevino, even a guy like Birch Smith has been relatively rock solid. And for the Houston Astros, because they did have a little bit of a trial by fire last year, a guy like a Inoli Paredes is able to give you some solid innings. So I do like what he's able to bring to the table for the team. Ryan Presley was able to give you some good innings. Even a guy like a Brooks Raley is someone that I look to, and I think that he's going to be able to do a solid job. So by and large, I do take a look at this Astros team. I do think that they should be the favorite in this spot. The question is, how much of a favorite do you wind up making Lance McCullers? I want to making him in the spot, minus 136, so I do think that there's some good value here, and when it comes to this total, I want to setting it at 9.8 because like I said, the ballpark out there at Oakland, it plays a little bit more differently during the daytime rather than the nighttime, so seeing this unjust nine is appealing to me, so I'm going to be taking the over, and I'm going to be taking the Houston Astros in the spot, 973, 974 on the betting board is the LA Angels, and they're going to be playing us the Chicago White Sox, Lance Lynn is going to be going for the Sox, meanwhile, you've got Alex Cobb on the bump for the LA Angels, Angels are finding themselves as an underdog, anywhere between plus 110 and plus 120, meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the White Sox. You're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130. Total on this game is 8.5 over of juice of minus 115 and minus 120. Meanwhile, the under is anywhere between even and minus 105. Seeing straight 9 out there as well. 9 as the under at minus 120 and the over is even. And when you take a look at Alex Cobb, 2-5 record, but he was able to be a little bit better last year with right around a 4-1-5 ERA, but here's the issue with him. Right around 7 punch-outs per 9 innings. He doesn't necessarily have that electrifying stuff. And then you take a look at Lance Lynn. He's a guy that gave up a couple home runs, but he did 
does a great job of not walking, guys. One of the best innings eaters out there in all of baseball as well, so you're able to commend him for that. And for the White Sox, they may come up with a tremendous bullpen. Guys like Matt Foster are able to give you some very good innings. I do like what you're able to get out of Evan Marshall along with Aaron Bummer. You pick up Liam Hendricks in the offseason, so this is a team that they are very rock solid. Now, you wound up seeing quite a few runs out there yesterday, so both of these bullpens wound up getting taxed a little bit, but when you take a look at the Angels, it's not like their bullpen was necessarily too terrific either, with Heaney only being able to give you three innings yesterday. That means that you're really going to need to deep dive for this team, but you still have quite a few guys for this Angels team that are able to get on base. Albert Pujols is a little bit over the hill, but Anthony Rendon is able to give a little bit of protection to our guy, Mike Trout. He does an absolutely terrific job. You wind up bringing in Jose Iglesias in the offseason. He and David Fletcher should be able to fortify this infield. And then when you take a look at what you're able to get on the outfielders and Dexter Feller and Justin Upton, some suspectness there. Now, Eloy Jimenez being out of the fold for the White Sox is not necessarily terrific, but I mean, I feel like that's being a little bit overblown. I mean, you've still got Yasmani Grandal who does a great job of being able to get on base. Nick Madrigal is a guy that has a quite a bit of upside. Even take a look at a guy in Andrew Vaughn, 22-year-old. He's a guy that I think is going to be able to get some at-bats for the team and do a solid job. Luis Robert, I think, is going to be able to do a good job. And then you've got... Jose Abreu, who is just absolutely tremendous. He winds up going deep yesterday. This is a guy that last season wound up being one of the best hitters in all of baseball, hitting a 3-1-7 with 19 home runs. So, I mean, this White Sox lineup is going to be just fine. And I take a look at this total, and I wound up setting it personally at 8.8. I do think that Lynn is going to be able to give some solid innings, but, I mean, with the way that the bullpens wound up getting taxed yesterday, I'm taking a look at this 8.5, even though it has a little bit of juice. I'm going to be taking a look at it over in some form or capacity. Hope that it gets down a little bit more, but you're at 8.5 with the juice more around minus 115 to minus 120. I'm going to wind up taking that minus 115. And with the White Sox, I see good value on them on the money line. So we're taking the over along with the White Sox. 975, 976 on the betting board. The Miami Marlins are going to be taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. Rich Hill is going to be going for the Rays. Meanwhile, Eliezer Hernandez is going to be on the bump for the Miami Marlins. With the Marlins, you are finding them as an underdog in this spot. Anywhere between plus 105 and plus 115. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rays, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125 with your total of 8. With the 8, you're going to be finding the under any work between minus 110 and minus 115. Overs any work between minus 105 and minus 110. And when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays with Rich Hill, he did wind up walking quite a few guys last season, but in the past and last year, he did a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. He's a little bit over the hill, so you've got to expect the Tampa Bay Rays to do what they do with regards to having him go like four or five innings and then from there you just finagle the bullpen. You've got so many guys that you're able to look to. You've got so many guys that are able to give you multiple innings, so I really do commend them with that regard. I do think that they're going to be able to hold down the fourth there. Meanwhile, you take a look at Eliezer Hernandez. We were talking with Chelsea Messenger about guys that they wind up being able to give you a solid like five or so innings and then from there they just really flail. That is the case with him and with the Miami Marlins. I mean you've got Dylan Floro and Yimi Garcia out there in the bullpen but I mean it's just not necessarily a great bunch. You do have a guy for the Tampa Bay Rays in Austin Meadows who's already went deep twice for the team so far this year. Joey Wendell has been able to get on base now with the Rays. They are the team that wound up leading all Major League Baseball in strikeouts last season which is a little bit of an issue but you've got Randy Rosarena, Yandy Diaz, all these guys I think are going to be able to take off. Yoshi Satsugo is continuing to disappoint for the team, but Manuel Margot was able to find his seed legs during the postseason, and for the Miami Marlins, I mean Garrett Cooper is able to give you a little bit of something. You've got the Marte Parte and Starling Marte to be able to give the team a little bit of something. Adam Duvall off to a little bit of a rough start. I think that he's going to be able to pick it up, though, and Asus Aguiar is a professional hitter that I do like for the team, but I mean, you take a look at the dimensions out there in Miami in that ballpark. They are very pitcher-friendly. I want to saying this total at 7.1. I do think that after we wound up having a little bit of an eruption in the game yesterday that we're going to see things reined in a little bit more here today. I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays just have more pitching depth in general. They're going to be able to finagle it to their liking. I wound up saying them as a minus 147 favorite on my line, so I'm going to be taking a look at that with the run lines only right around plus 130, so just not a lot of value there. And with the total being set at 7.1 for me, I'm taking a look at that 8, and I'm going to be taking it under as well. 977, 978 on the betting board. You've got the Minnesota Twins taking on the Milwaukee Birds. The home brewers find Corbin Burns on the mound. Meanwhile, Jose Barrios is going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. With the Twins, you're going to be finding them as an underdog here. Anywhere between plus 114 and plus 122. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Brewers, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 134 and minus 123. Your total on this game is 7.5 with the 7.5. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 
115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And with the 8, you've got one of those out there. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. With Corbin Burns, like we were talking about with Chelsea, he was actually a legit contender for this Cy Young towards the back half last season. He wound up having a couple bad starts down the stretch, but he's a guy that he's got electrifying stuff. He can sometimes get a little bit prone to walks, but and you take a look at Jose Barrios, this is someone that home to road, he just has not necessarily been the same pitcher. 465 ERA on the road last season was not necessarily too terrible, so he was able to rein it in a little bit more there, but his strikeouts per nine on the road was more like six and a half-ish, so that was a little bit of an issue. And then when you take a look at the Minnesota Twins, it looks like Josh Johnson is probably going to be out due to an injury in this one. Meanwhile, for the Milwaukee Brewers, and this is a team that they're looking to overcome the loss of Ryan Braun. I do expect that they're going to be able to get a little bit more out of Keston Hero along Christian Yelich from last season. Both of these guys were a little bit up and down, especially Yelich hitting like a 205. Colt Wong also comes in for the team, and Travis Shaw was able to look very solid on the opening day lineup as well, so you were able to get a little bit of something there. And then with the Minnesota Twins, you still have quite a few matchers for this team. They don't necessarily get for the world's greatest average guys like Miguel Sano, along with Ore Palanco and Max Kepler, but Luis Arias does a good job of being able to get on base, and Dalton Simmons is going to help out with the fielding and the infield, and he's a guy that's hit 275 or higher, really, in four of the team's last five games, so, I mean, I think that he's going to be able to do a nice job there. Nelson Cruz is just a professional hitter for this team as well, so you've got a lot of guys that you're able to look to there. Now, this is a National League game, so you got to expect that Nelson Cruz is either going to be a liability out there in the field, or he's going to be pinch hitting, so that's a little bit of an issue for this Minnesota Twins team as well that you have to take into account. And with the Milwaukee Brewers, I mean, you got Josh Hader out there in the bullpen along Devin Williams. Those guys are solid, and even a guy like J.P. Frierson is able to give you a solid inning, so if you get six out of Corbin Burns, you'll be fine, and I do think that that'll be the case. And for the Minnesota Twins, their bullpen is solid as well. Alex Colomay is a decent pitcher. Not necessarily good at being able to field, but a decent pitcher. And then you've got guys like Ansel Robles along Taylor Rogers. Even a guy like Cody Sashek is able to come in and give you some good innings. So I do trust in both of these bullpens. So I did wind up setting this total a little bit lower. With regards to my total, I just wound up setting this right around 7.4. So seeing the 7.5 with Juice, I'm going to be taking this total under. And with the Brewers, I felt like they should have been more around a minus 138 favorite. So I'm going to be laying it there. And we're going to be wrapping things up with 979, 980 on the betting board. You've got the Seattle Mariners playing also the San Francisco Giants. Deontay Stroud out there, Logan Webb. Meanwhile, Chris Flexen is going to be going for the Mariners. With your total, it is 8.5. Over is any more team, minus 115, minus 120. The under is any more team, even a minus 105. Meanwhile, you've got a 9 out there as well. That under is minus 120. The over is even. If you're taking a look at the San Francisco Giants, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a minus 113 and a minus 120. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Seattle Mariners, the size of plus 110, as bad as even money. And with Chris Flexen, he was absolutely terrible when he was on the Mets. Last year, he was actually out there at the KBO level for the Nissan Bears, and he was very good with them. Throwed off a good curveball, but I mean, you got to question how he's going to react to Major League being back here, and I think that that's going to be a big issue for him. I mean, the KBO just is not quite what MLB baseball is, so that's a little bit of an issue. Meanwhile, for Logan Webb, this is a guy that was a little bit more hit or miss last season, but kept the ball in the yard. Four home runs given up in 54 and a third innings. The 24 walks were a little bit unsightly. Not necessarily the world's greatest swing and miss guy, but for the Seattle Mariners, Kyle Lewis being out the fold for this team is a little bit of an issue. Now, you still have some professional hitters for this team. Kyle Seeger towards the top is someone that you're able to look to. Now, I have my question marks with one of their up-and-coming prospects and Taylor Trammell. I think that he's going to be in for a little bit of a rough year, but Mitch Haniger, after he wanted to run for Texaco, is back. So good on him. Ty France is someone that came over from that trade with the San Diego Padres last offseason, so that's big. And for the San Francisco Giants, they've got a bunch of guys there able to hit for this team. Donovan Solano, Evan Longoria, Austin Slater, Mikey Shremsky at the top. I mean, that's big. Buster Posey is back after he sat out last season. Wilmer Flores is a guy that's able to get on base, give you a little bit of pump along with Darren Ruff. So, I mean, I look at those guys. I really like them. And with the Seattle Mariners and the San Francisco Giants bullpens are not necessarily good. Rafael Montero is not necessarily a trustworthy guy. I mean, Taylor Rogers for the San Francisco Giants team, he's able to be pretty solid. But with the Mariners, you take a look at their bullpen as well. There is a lot of suspectness with that regard. They did wind up bringing in a couple guys in the offseason. Kenya Middleton, the most notable of them. you got Casey Sadler out there as well. And it looks like they're going to be trying out Justin Sheffield in the bullpen as well. So I'm curious to see how that winds up working. But I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a higher scoring game with these starters and two boopy bullpens. I wound up saying this total a little bit closer to 10. So I'm going to be taking this total over. And I'm with the Giants. I felt like they should be a big favorite in this spot just because with not having Kyle Lewis and Chris Flexen trying to reacclimate to Major League Baseball, it's going to be a little bit of an issue. I wound up saying them at minus 141 personally. So taking the Giants on the money line and this total over. And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Saturday. A big thanks to Chelsea Messenger, Pickett and Barlays for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. One of the few ways we have fire questions if you have them for this podcast. My Twitter time 
mine at yours. Cody one. Keep in mind, letters DM to Mimi does not matter. Other ways by an Apple podcast, rewrite this podcast five stars. And then from there, you're able to send in your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. Let's make it a profitable one. It's going to be a great day of Major League Baseball. It's great to have this sport back, and I will talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. <laughs>